I'm just blessed um, to be able to share from the Word this afternoon. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. And if you don't have a Bible, we have plenty in the back in many different languages. So please go ahead and grab one. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 today. And if you're joining us for the first time, we have been going through the Gospels chronologically. We do teach the Word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but it's been a little different as we've been going through the Gospels because we could be in a different Gospel each week. We're just walking through the life and ministry of Jesus uh, chronologically. So last week we finished up Matthew 12, and this week we're actually just going to pick up in Matthew 13. But before we get into the Word today, let's pray again. Let's commit this time to the Lord And let's see what the Lord would have for us. Father, we just thank you so much, God, for your grace, for your mercy, Lord. And we thank you for your word, God, that you would just give us your word and entrust it to us, Father. And just allow us to just come before your presence to glean wisdom from you, God, and to glean truth from you. Lord, we just pray as we read your word that you would just open our hearts to receive all that you would speak to us, Father. I pray that it would be your words today, not mine, Lord. I pray it would be your words, and I pray, God, that you would just encourage your church, you would challenge your church, God, and I just pray for just a sweet time, Lord, in your word. We commit this time to you, and we just ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 12, if you remember about two weeks ago, we had talked about Jesus, and he he was ministering in the region of Galilee. He encountered a demon-possessed man. However, this wasn't just a demon-possessed man. This man was also blind and mute. And Jesus encountered this man, and he freed him of this demonic possession, healed him of his blindness and being mute. And after he did this, religious leaders came up to Jesus, and they said, you did this work by the power of Satan. That's a pretty wild accusation. They saw the work of God, and they accredited the glory to the devil. And Jesus refuted this, and he told them, if Satan cast out Satan, he would destroy himself. Jesus then had to explain to the religious leaders what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. And then last week in verses 38 through 50 of Matthew 12, we saw that the religious leaders, they came and they requested a sign from Jesus. And Jesus saw their hearts. He saw that their hearts were hardened. He saw that their hearts were hardened. And he said this, he said, a clean house can still be an empty house. And what Jesus meant was many people can claim to have the spirit of God, yet not know Christ at all. Jesus saw through the religious leaders' hearts. Right after this, Jesus went outside and he saw his family there. And his family was seeking him. And Jesus then explained that we're part of a larger family. We're part of the family that's the body of Christ. So today where we pick up in Matthew 13, we're going to see what happens next as Jesus continues to minister So let's look at verses 1 through 2 of Matthew 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitudes stood on the shore. I want to draw your attention to something here that Matthew writes in verse 1. He says, on the same day. This is all the same day that Jesus encountered this demon-possessed man, that Jesus had this altercation with the religious leaders, the same day that Jesus had to explain to the religious leaders why he wasn't giving them a sign, and also the same day that his family was coming out to look for him. Now, in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, it tells us a little more details about Jesus' family, and it tells us that when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. So Jesus 
had just been accused of doing the work of God by the power of Satan, and then he walks out, meets his family, and his family says, you're out of your mind. This sounds like a busy day for Jesus, but it also sounds like a discouraging day. I know if you put yourself in Jesus' shoes, in his position, if you were doing the work of God and you got accused of doing Satan's work, and then your own family told you, you're out of your mind, I'm sure you'd be very discouraged. So it says that Jesus, he went out of the house and he sat by the sea. And I'm sure Jesus went to maybe decompress, maybe to rest a little bit. But verse 2 tells us that when he did this, great multitudes were gathered together to him. Remember, Jesus' reputation and his fame was spreading. People were hearing about him. So it would be very hard for Jesus to just get away in this area without people coming to see him and to see his power. But I want you to notice the heart of Jesus here. Despite maybe the busy day he had, despite the discouraging things that were said to him, Jesus did not seem aggravated or burdened or inconvenienced that people came seeking truth from him. And I think it's a great heart for us. Because many times as we minister and as we do the work of God, we can get so caught up in our busy schedules, right? Well, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord. But then when God places another opportunity for ministry in front of us, many times we can feel maybe too tired. I'll I'll get to that tomorrow. Do you get inconvenienced when God places an opportunity for ministry in front of you? I know I do at times. Right? When I go home and I just want to relax and just enjoy the rest of the night and then I get a phone call and someone is seeking help and seeking guidance. Are we inconvenienced by it? And every time that I do feel inconvenienced, the Spirit reminds me, this is why you're here. You're here to serve God. You're here to serve His people. And for each one of us, that's true. We're here to serve God and to serve His people. So we see a great heart and a great example from Jesus here. So Jesus got into a boat and He started to teach the people. Now, in verse 2, it tells us that he had to put out a little bit into the water and teach from a boat to the people on the shore. And this would indicate to us that there were possibly thousands of people gathered to hear the teaching of Jesus. It wasn't quite a few. It was probably thousands. So let's see what Jesus would share with them in verses 3 through 9. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground that yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus shares a parable with the people. And a parable is a story told to convey a truth. The Greek word for the word parable is a word called probably, and it's where we get our English word parable. And it means to tell a fictional story that conveys a real truth that you apply to your life. And I want you to notice as Jesus teaches to the people in this illustrated fashion, and as he shares a story about farming, which is something that the people would be very familiar with, Jesus is engaging the people. He's ministering to them at a level where he's engaging with them. And Jesus did this because he was passionate about teaching the people. And again, what a great lesson for us. As we should be passionate to do all that God has called us to do according to the gifting in which he's gifted us. To be passionate means to be dedicated, you're focused, you're hardworking, and you're excited to bring joy 
and, and message of peace to a people. Would this describe your heart? Are you excited to share Jesus? Are you excited to come alongside people in their lives and serve them? Because Jesus was. Again, he wasn't inconvenienced by this. Despite the day he had, he still went out and he engaged with the people. Now, in this parable, Jesus shares a story about a sower, someone who plants seeds. And he planted seeds on four different types of soil, and you can look at it there in the verses. First was by the wayside. And when it says the wayside, this is translated to mean the commonly traveled road. Right? The next one is stony ground. The third one is thorns. And the fourth one is good soil. And the cool thing about Jesus when he shares a parable is he's actually going to interpret it for us. (laughs) So we don't need to spend time interpreting this story, thinking what we think it means. Jesus explains it in the later verses. So we're going to move on and we're going to come back to this story in the later verses. But before we move on, I want to draw your attention to what he says in verse 9. He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This statement spoken by Jesus, it's a very common one throughout the New Testament. He mentions it many times in his ministry. And we also see it mentioned in the book of Revelation. And if you look at Revelations chapter 2 and 3, it's mentioned seven times within those two chapters alone. In this statement that Jesus says, it simply translates to mean, pay careful attention. Or in modern words, listen up, listen carefully. And when Jesus said, pay careful attention or listen up, he was talking to those who have been given God's word and those who seek to understand God's word. So when he says, he who has ears, the people he's referring to are those who want to understand the word of God. Once again, what a great lesson for us as we read this. Pay careful attention or listen up to what Jesus is going to say. I feel like today in the church, there has been a great uh, push away from the Word of God. In many churches today, they don't teach the Word of God. There's a strong emphasis that you don't need to be in the Word of God. But we see right here, as Jesus would say, pay careful attention. Pay careful attention and listen up to the Word of God. There needs to be an emphasis on the Word. There needs to be an emphasis on the Bible. Because this is the foundation upon which we have our faith and our knowledge of who God is. So with this said... Are you paying careful attention to the word of God throughout your week and throughout your daily life? Let's read verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? I love the disciples. I I, I do because the disciples say they come and they ask this question and they ask him a legitimate question. They say, Jesus, why are you teaching the people in a way that they're not even going to understand what the interpretation of this is? Why are you speaking to these people in a story, but you're not giving them the interpretation Why are you doing this, Jesus? And I love how the disciples do this because it shows a relatable aspect that the disciples have with us. Because how many times do we do the same thing as we do the work of God and as we watch Jesus work and we say, Jesus, why are you doing this this way? Jesus, why are you using them to do that? Jesus, are you sure about that? Why did you say that to me? How many times do we do the same thing these disciples did? Jesus, why are you doing this? Yet Jesus, he's so high above us, right? His ways and his thoughts are perfect and so high above us, and all we need to do is merely trust in him. But Jesus is going to answer their question, so let's see how he answers it in verse 11. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Whenever I read something like this in Scripture, i got to ask the question, what, what does this mean? 
Because a verse like this is taken out of context by many people today. And this scripture has become misconstrued and misinterpreted. And people would would look at this verse and they would say, is Jesus saying that he only reveals himself to certain people, but he doesn't reveal himself to all people? Does Jesus only want some people to be saved and not all people? What does Jesus mean when he says this? And these are important questions to ask ourselves because we're going to be asked them as we share the gospel. And the Bible makes it clear that we are to be diligent to show ourselves approved workmen who need not be ashamed with the word of God. So what does Jesus mean when he said to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of heaven, but to them it has not been given? Well, first and foremost, the word mysteries here, it refers to the hidden counsel of God. That's what Jesus means when he says mysteries. And it all goes back to the human heart here. For each person, we all have a decision to make of whether or not we are going to take our hearts to God and his word. And we have a decision to make if we are going to follow Jesus. We were created with a free will to decide how we're going to respond to the word of God. The disciples were given the knowledge of scripture. Why? Because they sought Jesus out. They acted upon the conviction of the word and they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what does this mean? For the multitude of people, they heard the word that Jesus shared, but they didn't go to Jesus and ask, Jesus, what does this mean? Explain this to us. The word fell on what would appear to be deaf ears. But for the disciples, they acted upon the conviction that they had been given and they sought Jesus out for understanding. Now, as we look at these two different examples, which one best defines you? Are you the one who comes, you hear the word of God, the word of God is spoken to you, it's shared to you, you read it, but you just hear it here and not in your heart? Or do you take the word of God and you seek Jesus for understanding of it? You apply it to your life. See, Jesus wasn't picking and choosing whom he was going to reveal himself to. Jesus was always available and always willing to interpret his word. It's just they didn't go to him. Let's look at verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. When Jesus says, for those who have, he's referring to those who are open to the word of God. For those who have received the word of God, who those who want to understand the word of God. And for the ones who are open to the word of God and what the word of God says, and they respond in faith, God will continue to increase their understanding and their knowledge of the word of God. And for me, I think this is very encouraging because many times we may read scripture and we think, I'm not getting anything out of this. Sometimes maybe reading the word of God feels like a chore, but we continue in it. And God is going to honor that when he sees you going before him daily in his word to learn more about him. He is going to increase that knowledge of his word and of who he is. This is a promise that Jesus is making. For those who have a knowledge of the word of God, more knowledge will be given to them. Jesus also says that they will abound. And the word abound here, it means to grow, mature, increase, and exceed. And this is what the word of God does. It shapes us, it grows us, it matures us, it challenges us, it encourages us. But here's the thing, if we're to abound in the work of ministry, and if we're to abound in the calling that God has for us, we need to be in the Word of God. I heard many statistics about the mission field before I came to the mission field. 
One of the biggest statistics I heard was the number one reason missionaries leave the mission field is because other missionaries. And I remember hearing that, and I was like, no, that's not true. Then I came to the mission field, and I was like, that's true. (laughs) One of the other statistics I heard was a lot of missionaries don't read their Bibles. And I was like, that's not true. And I came to the mission field. It's true. And I don't say that with, you know, as a joke or with pride. No, that's sad. Because if we're to abound in the work that God has for us, we need to be in the Word of God. Because we can't give what we don't have. So how are we going to reach a world that doesn't have the Word of God if we don't have the Word of God ourselves? Jesus said, you will abound when you're in the Word of God. When you're seeking Him through His Word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Again, I ask the question, are you in God's Word? Are you in it daily? There's many immature Christians today, and the culprit is they're not in the Word. Right? It's, it's, no, it's no special magic, right? It's, it's just being in the Word of God. Reading it, studying it, taking it to God for understanding and for clarity. And the more that we study God's Word, the more we're going to grow and have a desire to know God more and to study His Word more. Even if we feel like we're reading the Word of God as a chore at times. I remember when I came to Asia, I hated Asian food. No offense. I didn't like it. I hate rice. Right? I never ate rice in my life. And, and when I came here, everything is, is, is rice. But the more I ate it, the more I ate it, the more I liked it. And when I just went home after a few years to the States in March, I was lost without rice every meal because I grew to like it. And in the same sense, God is saying the more we're in his word, the more we're going to have a desire to know God and to know his word more. However, Jesus says on the flip side, those who do not have or to those who are not open to the word of God, even what they have will be taken away from them. And if one is not open to the truth of God's word, their hearts will continue to grow hard and they will continue to be blind to the gospel. And a great example of this in Scripture is Pharaoh in the Old Testament. You remember Pharaoh. The word of God came to him. Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. He hardened his heart. The word of God came back to Pharaoh. He hardened his heart again. And Pharaoh, because he hardened his heart so much, he ended up losing everything. He lost his society, his economy, the trust of his servants and his people. He lost his livestock. He lost his goods. He even lost his son. And this is a pretty drastic example, but this is what happens when a heart grows hard towards the gospel. It continues to grow hard. And that's not to say that those who harden their hearts are going to lose everything, but spiritually, they will continue to grow hard and blind to the gospel. And for Christians who are not in the word of God, it begins to harden the heart and callous it up a little bit, right? And it makes it even more difficult to be in the word of God. If I'm having days where I'm not in the, in the Bible, it's harder for me to get into it. It's harder for me to, to start that discipline up again and to get in the Word again. Because the more time we spend away with it, the more our heart, our heart gets hardened. And this is why it's important that not only are we in the Word of God, but we're praying that God would soften the hearts of those who are hard towards His Word. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, 
and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So Jesus further explains why he's speaking to them in parables. And I want you to notice that Jesus wasn't speaking to them in this way to drive them further away from him. He was doing the opposite. He was speaking in a way that wouldn't push them away any further. Because even though Jesus saw the the people's hearts and he knew that that generation was rejecting him, he still reached out and he still ministered to them. He didn't want to push them away any further. He wanted to penetrate their hearts. And again, even though Jesus spoke in this story, telling way, he was always ready to interpret his word if they sought him out and they asked him. And again, once more, we see the heart of Jesus. That even though many of Jesus' generation rejected him, he still reached out to them. So who is it in your life that maybe has a hardened heart? Maybe they've rejected you, treated you unfairly. But we still need to love on them and pray for them and reach out to them as Jesus did. So who is it in your life? Because I'm sure we all have them. (laughs) I'm sure we all encounter them daily. Jesus fulfilled prophecy here from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. He quoted it in verses 14 and 15. And what Jesus meant, and here's the reason why this prophecy was fulfilled, because these people were hearing the words of God, hearing the teaching of Jesus. They were hearing it with their ears, but they weren't hearing it with their hearts. They were seeing it. They were seeing the work of the Messiah, seeing the teaching of Jesus, but they didn't see it in their hearts. They heard about the message of repentance and the need for a Savior, but they didn't act upon the conviction that the Spirit put in their hearts. We also see within this prophecy of the power of the Word of God and what the Word of God does for us. It gives us understanding. It gives us perception. It gives us healing. And this is a testament for us to continue in the Word of God. If we want to grow in understanding, if we want to grow in awareness, if we want to be healed in our hearts, we need to be in the Word of God. There cannot be a greater emphasis on this. We need to be in the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17 through 17 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we are to be thoroughly equipped for the good work that God has called each one of us to, because if you're sitting here, if you're watching this, God has called each one of us to the work of ministry, and maybe it's different, but he's called each one of us. If we want to be thoroughly equipped and ready for this work, we need to be in the word. We need to be in the word. And I pray that we wouldn't harden our hearts, that we wouldn't just hear the word, but not take it to our heart. Let's look at verses 16 through 17. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus tells the disciples that they're blessed because their eyes are open to the truth of Jesus' teaching. And the word blessed in the Greek language, it means to have a fulfillment and a joy that comes from favor from God. And for those whose hearts are open to the word of God, God will bless that person with peace in their heart and fulfillment in their heart. God will fill you up through his word. This is amazing. And this is what Jesus taught when he he taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. 
He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's many empty people today because they're trying to fill the emptiness of their heart with the things of this world. And maybe that's you sitting in here today where you had this longing and this emptiness in your heart and you're trying to fill it with things of this world, but you keep coming up empty. And I'm sure for those of us who know Christ in here, each one of us can attest that we did the same thing at one point. We tried to fill that longing and that emptiness in our heart with the things of this world and it never satisfied us. Only the Word of God and only Jesus Christ can satisfy our hearts, can fill our hearts up and fill that emptiness in our hearts. Again, on the flip side, there's many empty Christians today. Why? Because they're seeking after titles and position and power and authority and admiration. They're seeking after things, but they're not seeking after the right things. They're not seeking after the Word of God, not seeking after the counsel that comes from God and the wisdom that comes from God. Only the Word of God can fill us up. Only the Word of God can bring peace to our hearts. And this is why it is so important that we're not just in the Word daily, but that's why we teach the Word of God here at the church. Because the church today doesn't need to hear foolishness from the world, and the church doesn't need to get their ears tickled. They need to hear the truth of God's Word because it's God's Word that's going to change hearts. It's God's Word that is going to set the captives free and save the lost. The Word of God is going to have an impact on this world. Not us. We have an impact on this world because of the Spirit that lives in us and because of the Word that we're bringing. And this is why we need to teach the Word of God. We need to be in the Word of God. Notice verse 17. Jesus said, Many desire to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And he mentions the prophets and prophets and righteous men. And you got to think for the prophets in the Old Testament, they prophesied of Jesus, longed to see the Messiah come, but they never got to see it in their days and they died. And Jesus is telling the disciples, you guys are blessed beyond measure that you get to see these things take place. You get to hear these things. And for us today, how blessed are we? People ask me a lot. They said, if you could go back at any time in the Bible, where would it be? And my answer is, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm blessed to live right now, right? I'm blessed to have the whole counsel of God and the word of God. I'm blessed to be in this new covenant and be able to go to Jesus in prayer. Praise the Lord. How blessed are we that we get to hear the heart of God. We get to learn about his character and his nature in the complete word of God. And what a blessing it is that we have full access to the word of God. And we can boldly come before God's throne and we can say, Lord, what does this mean in your word? We can lay our hearts before God. How blessed are we? for what we have in Jesus and what we have in his word. And Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're not going to turn there, but he said in 1 Peter 1 verse 12, he said, angels desire to look into the things that we get to study and learn. How cool is this? Angels desire to learn what we can learn through scripture because we have a relationship with Jesus that they don't have and we have access to his word. How blessed we are to have the word of God. Are you in it? What impact is the word of God making in your life? Let's look at verses 18 through 19. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So as we shared earlier, Jesus is now going to interpret for us the parable that he shared in verses 3 through 8. And he starts off by telling us that the soil in his story, it represents different hearts. 
The word of God is represented by the seed that is sown. The sower is representing Jesus and whoever Jesus desires to use to share the gospel. And the first soil or the first heart that Jesus describes in this story in verse 19 is the seed that falls on the wayside. Remember, the wayside represents a road that is traveled often. And if you are familiar with dirt roads at all, the more pressure and the more weight that goes on a road over time, it compacts it together and it makes it harder. I don't know if you've ever tried to dig up a dirt road. It's hard. You you really can't do it. It's very difficult unless it's very muddy and wet. It's hard soil. It's hard to penetrate. And this is the kind of a heart that Jesus is describing here. This is a heart that hears the word of God, but it doesn't understand it. It doesn't really take it to heart. And this is really describing the multitude of people that we saw in verse 2. These people came to Jesus. The word was spoken to them. The religious leaders could be in this category as well. The word was spoken to them, but it fell on a hard ground. It It didn't quite penetrate it. But here's the thing. Even if the word of God falls on hard ground, it can still penetrate hard ground. Amen? Amen? The word of God can penetrate any heart. And because of this, Satan seeks to snatch away the word of God. And this is what Jesus shares in this story. The wicked one, the devil, comes and he seeks to snatch away the word of God that is sown in each heart. And one of the biggest ways the devil does this is through false teaching today. Many false teachers who who, uh, come in the church, infiltrate the church, and they share lies. They share a false understanding of Scripture so that those who are hungry and those who are searching and seeking truth... They want to know what the Bible means, but they're being fed a false understanding. Satan uses false teachers many times. So when you're looking for a church, don't look to see if the food is good or if the people are nice. The first and foremost it should be is the Word of God being taught. Is the whole counsel of God being brought forth. Satan wants to take away any desire in your heart for God's Word. And maybe you're in here today, you've heard the Word of God, you want to have a desire to understand it, but Satan is putting these lies in your mind saying, forget about it. You don't need to study that. Satan wants you to dismiss the Word of God. And maybe that's you in here today, where you've been hearing the Word of God in different ways, but you don't understand it. My encouragement to you is seek understanding of God's Word. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Come see us if you have any questions about the Word of God. And maybe you're in here and you're saved today. You believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But Satan is trying to do the same thing to you. He's trying to get you to dismiss the Word of God in your heart. He's trying to get you to dismiss what God has been calling you to do. So what is it that God is calling you to do that Satan is trying to blind you to and say you don't need to do that? Is your response to the Word of God a hard heart? So look at verses 20 through 21, and we'll see the next type of soil that the Word of God falls onto. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the Word, immediately he stumbles. This next heart is a heart that hears the Word of God with joy and excitement, but it has no root. And if you're familiar with plants, any plant that grows with little to no roots, it does sprout up for a little bit, 
but then it withers because it's not, it doesn't, it's not dug in deep. It doesn't have its roots firmly in the ground. And this heart or this person that Jesus is describing, they get excited about hearing the promises and the riches of Christ. They get excited to hear about this idea of eternal life and forgiveness. But when the times of persecution and hardships and trials and temptations come, they have no root. Why do they have no root? Because they're not grounding themselves in Scripture. They're not being in fellowship and they're not being taught the Word of God. And again, back to false teaching, it's commonly taught today that if you're a Christian, you won't endure tribulations or hardships or trials. That's why many Christians or people who profess to know Christ, they get really surprised when they go through a hardship. And they end up walking away from their faith because they were fed a lie. Listen, the Word of God promises us trials and tribulations. Jesus said it many times. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to walk through hardships. But again, Satan doesn't want you grounded in the Word of God. He doesn't want you to hear the truth. It's also commonly taught today that we need to have emotional experiences with God in order to truly know Him. And it's okay to to be emotional in worship. It's okay to be emotional with God. There's nothing wrong with that. But what is wrong is to be driven by your emotions instead of being driven by the Word of God. And this heart that Jesus is describing is a heart that's driven by emotions and not driven by the Word of God. Paul taught in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewed mind is a mind that is driven by the Word of God and driven by a faith in Jesus. It's not driven by emotions and how we feel. Because if our faith was depending on how we feel, we wouldn't have a faith at all. The heart in stony ground, it responds in emotion, but with a lack of commitment to Christ. Is your response to the Word of God excitement when it's convenient for you? But when the going gets tough and it gets difficult, you ignore the truth of Scripture. Does this describe you today and your response to God's Word? Verse 22. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the Word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the Word, and he becomes unfruitful. This is an interesting one that Jesus describes here, right? The seed that falls on thorny soil or thorny ground. Because this heart is one that hears and even understands God's word, yet their heart also gives place for other things to grow in it as well. In this heart, it can't mature because the growth is being hindered and it's being stunted by other things. It's hindered by worldly pursuits. And maybe that's vying for positions or wealth or or money or titles. Or maybe it's something else entirely that's growing in your heart as well. Maybe it's pride or lust or greed or apathy or complacency. And these things, they hinder growth and they hinder maturity and they choke out the word of God in your heart. And Jesus said in this soil with this thorny ground, it says it cannot bear fruit. The riches of the world, the riches of the world choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. What is in your heart that is keeping you from being fruitful in the work of ministry and the work that God has called you to do? What is it that you are giving place to in your life next to the Word of God and next to Jesus? Jesus, you call Jesus your Lord of your life, but you have other things that you make Lord of your life as well. Does this describe you and is this your response to the Word of God? Yes, I believe in your Word, God. I will treasure it in my heart, but I'm going to put it side by side with other things. What I want to do. My passion's to sin. And my passions for the things of this world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. He said no one can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. There's only room for one Lord in your life. That's it. And if you don't know Jesus today, Jesus, he needs to be not just the Savior of your life, but the Lord of your life as well. But again, for those of us who know Christ, what is it that is taking the place of his word in our own lives and in our hearts? Is your response to the word a lack of surrender? Let's look at our last verse today, verse 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. This last type of heart that Jesus describes is the heart that each one of us should desire to have, right? It's a heart that when it hears the word of God, it understands it, it receives it with meekness, Or in other words, it's submissive to it. And there's a desire in that heart to apply the word of God as well. And when the word of God falls on good ground in our heart, Jesus said it takes deep root and it bears fruit. And this heart is one who not just hears the word, but applies the word of God. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And the heart that Jesus describes here is a heart that doesn't just hear the word. It's not deceiving itself, but it's a heart that puts in action the word of God. And when the word of God takes deep root in our heart, it's going to bear fruit in our life. And Jesus said it'll bear fruit some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. The heart that is committed to Jesus and committed to his word will bear fruit. And it will share with others the love and hope of Jesus. Is this your response to God's word? A response of obedience and commitment to Jesus and to what he says in your word. So I've asked the question many times, and I'm going to ask it again. What's your response to God's word? How do you respond when you hear God's word, when you read God's word? What is your response to it? Because today we read about different responses that people have. We looked at the example of the multitude of people, the people of Jesus' generation. They hardened their hearts to the word of God. They heard it. They saw it. They were convicted by it even, but they didn't take it to their heart. They didn't take it to Jesus. They didn't seek understanding. We also saw the example of the disciples. They heard what Jesus said, and they said, Jesus, what does this mean? Right? They sought Jesus out. They acted upon the conviction that Jesus gave them. They desired to grow in it. They desired to understand it. Jesus also mentioned four different types of hearts that we can have to the word of God. Maybe that you've had at one point, maybe that you currently have. He said the word of God can fall on a hardened heart. A heart that hears the word but doesn't understand it and doesn't seek understanding. It dismisses the word of God. Maybe they go to church twice a week. They hear the word. Maybe they even read the Bible daily, but they don't take it to heart. Number two, the word of God can fall on stony ground or stony heart. And these hearts hear the word, get excited over it and over the promises of it but they depend upon their emotional handling of God's word instead of a commitment to it. And when trials and hardships come, they fall away. The third response is a heart that has thorny ground. And these hearts, they give place to the word of God, but it's not exclusive. They want to share it with other things in this world. And these things, they grow up in their hearts and they choke away the word of God. And lastly, good soil. And these hearts hear the word of God, they obey the word of God, and they bear fruit. So I'll wrap up and conclude with this. How important to you is the word of God? What priority 
does the Word of God take in your life? Do you make time for it daily? Do you value it? Do you revere it? Because it is holy. God said in His Word that He values His Word above all His name. How important is the Word of God to you and how will you respond to it? Because it's going to show in the fruit of your life or the lack of fruit in your life. But if we are to be effective and thoroughly equipped, and if we're to abound in the work of ministry and the work that God has called us to, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to read it. And if we don't understand it, we need to study it. Take it to others. Hey, can you help me with this? What does this mean? We need to be taking it to our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them with it, challenging them with it. We're held accountable as Christians. What are we held accountable to? The Word of God. How important is it in your life? And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you would seek to know more about Jesus and more about His Word, ask us. We're here to serve. That's why we're here. We're here to help in any way that we can because we love you and we want you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So let's pray and then we'll continue our worship. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for your word, Lord. And again, it's amazing, God, because you didn't need to give us your word, but you chose to give us your word, Lord. You, you chose to give us access, Lord, to the knowledge and the counsel of you, Lord, to know you more. And Lord, your word equips us to go out and to be fruitful and effective, Lord, in the work of ministry and in the callings that you have for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word, the hope in your word, Lord, the conviction that your word brings. And Lord, we thank you that above all else, it shows us how we can know you and how we can have eternal life and be forgiven through your son, Jesus Christ, through our faith in him. Lord, I pray, God, as we read your word, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, God, but that we would be doers of the word, that we would apply it to our lives. Lord, that we would apply it to every decision that we make in our lives, Lord, that our speech, our actions, Lord, everything about our lives is reflecting off of the word of God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy for this time we had to read and study your word today. And Lord, we just continue to surrender this time of worship to you. We just acknowledge, God, that we need you and we're nothing without you, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.